everybody, and welcome to the Medevac Podcast. I'm your host for today, Christian Myers, for our take three. Joined by our co-host, David Reed. How's it going, everybody? And uh, before we hop into our guest, or introduce our guest, rather, uh, keep in mind there's a price for the show. If you get something out of today's episode, make sure you share it with a friend or family member, blast it all over social media, leave a comment, interact somehow. We're trying to get these numbers up. So help out. Absolutely. We Who is our you. guest today? Another Dave on the show. Another, yet another Dave. That's like six this year so far. Welcome, Dave Wooten. Thanks, guys. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, thanks yeah, for uh, coming on. Dave's, Dave's a uh, Army veteran. He served in uh, the U.S. Army as an 11 Charlie from 2005 to 2008, was medically retired, and now he runs a nonprofit or works with a nonprofit called Trinity Oaks. And uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later. So welcome, Dave. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm Mortarman. Oh yeah, is that what that oh, is? It means, I, it, it yes. means I was smart. They picked me in, uh, in, in in basic and said, "You're going to be a Charlie." Was it Bravo. smart or or was it just strong? You were just really strong. I'm not sure of either. Because wow. if you're strong, you could carry a lot of weight because those mortars are very heavy. But I was the gunner, so I didn't have to carry the. Oh. And, and I was a 60, so I just had the sight. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So what made you choose to go that route as opposed to 11 Bravo? I didn't choose. Okay. My, my my drill sergeant came up to me and said, "You are you're going to be a Charlie." And at that point in time in my military career, I didn't know either. I just wanted to do infantry. I was like, "Oh, maybe maybe that's a better version," you know. <laughs> and it comes out to be nothing other. Spe- it's not special, right? So, yeah. um, and we didn't even really touch any large mortar systems. We were strictly sixties and eighties, okay, or eighty ones. And basic. We never even saw the 120s. So um, I think those guys have more fun. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let's back up a little bit and talk about what, what made you want to go into the military and specifically what made you choose infantry? Uh, I'm dumb. So infantry was the... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, low ASVAB score. Yeah, yeah. Very low ASVAB score. You know, it was... Uh, <clears throat> this is going to be your, your destiny. No, um... I, I, in high school, I had a, a craving to go some kind of special operations. Mm. Um, and uh, I got sidetracked, got heavily into drugs my senior year, um, mm. when partying and, and all that kind of stuff. I was kind of a loser. You know, I, I was really popular in school, but most of it was because I was partying and doing the wrong thing. How things. did you know you were popular? <laughs> Is that self-proclaimed or? Uh, no. Were you I, on a, a team or what did you do? Uh, I was with the popular kids. Maybe they just okay. had me around because of the drugs. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, you were the cool. Yeah. But I, I had that vision. So I was heavily into athletics and, and really wasn't doing any of that stuff until literally my senior year. Yeah. Um, and it derailed me. My baseball coach called me an asshole and kicked me off the team. Uh, stopped playing football and literally just went partying mm-hmm. and um, maintained the loser status of going from job to job after high school and continuing to be around the wrong crowd, mm. living that lifestyle. And then 2001 hit, uh, obviously, uh, September 11 um, hit. And I was actually at a tech school learning specialized electronics. I was going to be um, in the HVAC posi- uh, um, job world. Okay. And that changed everything. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're being we're being attacked, and and my girlfriend, who eventually becomes my wife, was at her college, and I immediately left school to drive up to be with her, and mm. um, thought it woke me up, but I was scared to enlist at that point in time because she was really all I all I had, and mm. <clears throat> was the love of my life, and I thought if I you know I heard horror stories, you know, you go in the military and the girl you're with kind of. Usually, eventually, you're not with them anymore. Yes, <laughs> um, all too often. But I was a loser. So, uh, and, I, and I tell this to my kids too all the time and they laugh at me, but I really was a loser. If I was a person standing on the outside watching Dave at that point in time, like wouldn't want him dating my daughter, wouldn't have wanted him around, like mm. very selfish, only cared about myself and if I could get high or drunk with my friends. Um, and so I would lose job after job after job and me and her got engaged, uh, right around 2003 through 2004. Mm-hmm. She ended up calling it off because she was like, I can't have a future with you. You can't, yeah. you can't keep a job. Um, so right 
then it switched over to 2005 and it was November and I went out with my friends and got about as high and as drunk as I possibly could trying mm. to really trying to kill myself. And I ne- I'll never forget it. I, I, I stumbled home and walked into uh, my mom's bedroom and told her, I'm going to go and listen to the army tomorrow. Cause if I don't, I'm going to end up in jail or I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that path anymore. So something, yeah, yeah. something during that night triggered this oh shit moment. Yeah. And, and how far after September 11th was this? This is four years. So I sat on the back burner with, it, with this desire to join, but mm-hmm. scared to do it because I didn't want something to happen in my relationship. And she kind of, yeah. she kickstarted that. And, and I knew it was the last time, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, we had broken up and gotten back together several times during this time. And this was, this was for real. So, so it was I, kind of the kick in the ass. Yeah, you it was to, okay. Yeah. All right. I need to leave because, you know, I'm really depressed and I'm probably going to end up dead or in jail. And yeah. Yeah, I didn't want either of those. What goes through is like what's going through your head when you're you're considering taking your own life. You know, I mean, you're you're young. I get that you feel like you're a loser and your life's not going anywhere. But like, is that why? Like, what else is going on in your head? So I had immense heart pain, and it wasn't just from her. You know, um, I grew up in a very very poor family. Uh, my dad was part of a motorcycle club in Arizona. Hmm. We moved from Arizona when I was four to Pennsylvania because he had a warrant for his arrest and he didn't want to go back to prison. So we were basically on the run. And the first two months uh, in Pennsylvania, we lived in a tent in my parents' friend's backyard. And uh, when I was eight, my father died from an overdose. Hmm. And that kick started me in this, this path of, you know, just immense anger and, yeah. and heartache. And um, I just remember a lot of people asking me, like, why are you so angry? Because I, I just go into school and beat someone's ass, like mm-hmm. literally would just take it out on them. So you were a bully as well. I was. I was a hundred percent a bully. And to this day, it's one of the biggest regrets of my life, you know, yeah. um, especially when you have kids and you're trying to teach them right for wrong. It's yeah, absolutely. It's terrible the way that I was. And it, it was that way, but I was blessed with baseball and football. So that kind of pulled me mm-hmm. from that reality. And I could just okay. get lost in those two sports. And it was that way all the way until uh, we moved to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had lived up in Northern PA and it was different there. You know, the, the kids were more heavily into partying in mm-hmm. high school. They were more, he- and I wasn't used to it. And I yeah. felt like I had to get into that to yeah. kind of be accepted because I just moved there and I was the new kid. That yeah. Makes sense. I think it's important, you know, to realize you said it's one of your biggest regrets, but it was such a learning moment. We always learn from those moments. And now you have your kids to share that lesson with, you know, yeah. of who you don't want them to be. Yep. And I, I think that that counts for something. It does. And a lot of times, so I, I get asked to speak a lot, uh, just basically on my life. I tell people I'm not really that interesting. The, the, the interesting part is that I'm not an asshole anymore, um, where I, was, I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing I'm most proud of is that my kids are grown up to the point where they help people. They mm-hmm. reach out to people. They, they generally have a good they're heart. They're not bullies. They're not bullies, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's great. Um, and there's, there's these intricate learning experiences throughout my arc of my story mm-hmm. um, that I'm sure we'll, we'll get to and you'll probably understand like each one. Yeah. yeah. Well, it takes a lot of introspection to look back and, and to realize those things about yourself and to really be objective with them. Like if you're, you're, you know, freely admitting that you were somewhat of a bully in high school. I mean, that, that takes a lot to be able to look back at yourself and look at your ac- actions objectively and how they interact with other people or what they stem from. I mean, obviously, this stemmed from a really rough upbringing. I don't think we give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt when it comes to how they act around other people, right? If they're a bully, we don't really stop and consider what's going on in their life to yeah. lead up to the stuff like that. Yeah, hundred percent. I think a lot of times bully situations are because there's there's something wrong at yeah. home, right? Um, and a lot something of, wrong at home <clears throat> usually yeah. is the case. Yeah, I mean sometimes the, the kid could be just just a dick, just, just a, a complete. Dick, you know, dick. yeah. There's always that. Yeah, that 
that one in but the room. I, I would think a majority of it is there's there's just something not going on mm-hmm. at home, you know. I and I could notice that like with my son, if I if I didn't give him the emotional support that he needs, mm-hmm. he could easily go that route. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's in his blood. Or if you give him too much, right? You spoil the shit out of him. Oh yeah. Same thing Either happens, way. right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Overcorrections. But so so I think, you know, you've 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 learned from that. It took a couple of years, but you got your stuff together. You were like, I'm gonna join the service to um, you know, straighten myself out and hopefully retain my relationship, right? Is what's going on in, in your brain. And then you're like, who who swayed you on the inventory part? <clears throat> so Funny story is, um, went to the Air Force recruiter. Yeah. No, Uh, (laughs) that's almost everyone. No, I actually, I actually went to the Navy recruiter. Okay. Um, because I, I, Andy Stump talks about it all the time about movie Navy SEALs and all that was, so I had watched that a million times. And like I said, I I wanted to go into some type of special operations, Mm. um, I didn't want to do a board. And naturally you thought seal. Yeah. And I Seals. am a terrible swimmer. So it was, it was a match made in heaven. Yeah. So, um, you don't need there. to be able to swim. You just need to be able to drown. Just like, just be fine with drowning yeah. when you're yeah. good. I'm just not, don't I'm drown. Not, They'll I'm teach good, you the rest. Not, yeah. good at, not good with either of them. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I don't think most people are. <laughs> so I, I went into him and at the time I was super poor and I was Looking for special operations, but I was also looking for who had the best bonus, the enlistment bonus, because mm. it was so high at that time. They were trying to recruit in so many of them. I, I went into every branch, mm. but it started with the Navy and they kind of laughed at me when I said, well, what's the sign-on bonus? And they're like, well, you're trying to be a SEAL. There is no sign-on bonus. So I'm like, <laughs> well, okay, so... Um, they laughed at you. Yes. Yeah, it's not going to work. The me. Navy does have such a chip on their shoulder. Right? They're they're the toughest person, the toughest recruiters, and they couldn't guarantee straight into going to buds or anything like that. Like I had to have a regular job first, and then try to apply. Yeah, they they go back and forth between all that stuff. Yeah, and I was like, mm-hmm. it, it literally is. They 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 have a dartboard on the wall, <laughs> and they're like, enlistment bonus today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we were yep. close. No enlistment yep. bonus. It's like a used car salesman. They're yeah. like getting their briefings in the morning. Like, all right, what sales do we have today, guys? Yeah. Like, what, yep. what are we offering today? <laughs> and uh, I went to everyone. And the only one that really offered me money was the army. And they were like, we can get you to special forces. You want to do 18 x-ray program? We can, we can do that. And we'll give you a $20,000 sign-on bonus. And I was like, sold at $20,000 sign-on bonus. Yeah. yeah. Got me there. Little did they tell you that after taxes, it's way less <laughs> yeah. than that. You get like eight. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah isn't that awful? And you don't get it at once. It's every year on your anniversary date yeah, that you, they give you a little snippet of that, that bonus. Like, oh, I got Two more, two more grand. Yeah, awesome. yeah they nice. pay it off over four years yeah. and tax it at over 50%. <laughs> yep. So I, I went and enlisted Uncle, under Uncle the 18X-ray mm-hmm. uh, program. Went to MEPS for, you know, all the physical stuff. And they get you into the eye room and they're putting things in front of you. And I can't see these numbers in the, in the color thing. Oh, no. <laughs> right? Literally can't see a number. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah colorblind. What? Yeah. Uh, oh, Red no. and green. You didn't know this? I did not know this. And just cruising your entire life. Cruising. <laughs> in right? quarter of a century. <laughs> in black and white. That's how it works, yeah. right? Now, <laughs> you mean colors. <laughs> so the uh, recruiter comes back to me. He's like, hey, you failed your colorblindness. I can't get the 18 x-ray program. Oh. I said, like, well, then I'm out. Like, and they're like, no. Well, they gave me the option. He oh, said, they did. Yes. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So he said that he can he can guarantee a slot for Airborne Ranger, and you can't be colorblind as a Ranger either. Supposedly, you can get a waiver and you can get in. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's so, almost as cool as being a Green Beret, right? It is almost as cool. <laughs> it's almost as cool. I mean, we can line line up each side, and each side can say which one's better. Um, but I. I I was excited either way, right? And so I went that route, still kept everything, flew through maps, um, and arrived at Fort Benning, Georgia mm. for this wonderful... So you had a ranger option? I did. It was okay. in my contract. It was, awesome. I was supposed to go to RIP right after airborne school. Okay, what happened? Oh, so, uh, yeah, well... Why didn't you go to RIP? 
you got to listen to the the basic story first. So. Oh, yes. oh, oh okay. yeah, the oh, basic yeah. stories. Oh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> better be good. Dave, <laughs> Dave's got his head on his shoulders now. He's he's in the military, right? Okay. Or starting his military. Career. You're confusing me. My name is Dave as well. I know. So. It's a great name. I, I, <laughs> I identify as Dave right now. Wait until you hear my full name, and then you will probably shit your pants. Okay. So it, I'm actually David Allen Coe Wooten. So if you know the country singer David yes. Allen Coe. That's who my mom named me after. Uh, my full name on my driver's license and everything else was that. And the first day of basic, my, see that. <laughs> my drill sergeant saw that and harassed me for the next whole time until I was done with, with basic. Um, I had enlisted in November of 05. We had Christmas break. So we all actually got to leave during, during basic and go home for two weeks. Lucky. Damn. Lucky, man. Interesting. I didn't. It I, almost I, it almost derailed my my military career. Oh, oh, it yeah. did. That's I was, was going to say like that's the story. The, okay, yeah, half the people kicked so, out. I feel like Dave went home, went and party with the same friends, mm. did some things, came back, uh, came back, didn't know there was going to be a piss test. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They were pissed hot. Oh no. Oh yeah. About thirty of us came. Oh back. my thirty. That's what I mean. Like half the people are going to go like smoke pot. Yeah, you're right, I guess. And they didn't say, you know, like they didn't say, hey guys, just to let you know during the safety brief, there's going to be a urine analysis when you get back. They did. Oh, (laughs) but you're like, fuck it. I'm good. I didn't smoke pot. Oh, yeah. I did some coke with Mm. my friends. (laughs) Because why not? You know, some light coke. You You know, three days. Three days, you would think. Mm. Yeah, and it did, you did copious amounts of coke then. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. It, it was still in my system yeah, during piss tests. Scarface mode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and they were pissed because I was promoted platoon sergeant from the get-go of being there. I mm. guess coming in as a 25-year-old male and not being a shit, shithead 18-year-old and kind of doing what they said and, and understanding that it was all game. Mm-hmm. Like, I was left alone. Like, everything was great. But they, yeah. were, they were pissed. And they pulled me into the first sergeant's room and asked me why and all this stuff. And I said, well, to be honest with you, like, I don't know why. Someone blew it in my face. That would always be my, someone just pixie dusted my face. Somebody sneezed while they were. (laughs) I told them that I didn't do anything, that I think somebody put it in my drink, right? So good, good, good. Try to lie off that one, right? Um, But they bought it. (laughs) <laughs> they, they bought it so much that they let me stay right so they gave me an article 15 okay um no reduction of rank just uh, how, how long are duty. you in at this point like a month two months <laughs> you got your first article 15 60 days in <laughs> oh yeah yeah and i was like this is gonna suck so the rest of the time that i was in basic i had extra duty oh, i never yeah. slept so when everybody else was going to sleep i was out on the sand pit oh. dragging it with a Great to, to rake the field. Oh, fun. fun yeah. Stuff. Oh, yeah. From, you deserved from, it. Oh, well, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so from 11 o'clock at night until right around four, that's what I was doing. Oh, shit. And I would stumble in and the lights would get kicked on. So I was sleep deprived. I'd be standing in formation, almost falling over, falling asleep. Oh, damn. Because yeah. I was so tired. But I graduated and I ended up having a really good relationship with my, with my first sergeant. Um, and he kind of mentored me and was like, this is one blip. Mm. Fix yourself. Make this a passion and a commitment and you'll be fine. Um, so I graduated, went to airborne school and excelled, right? Like I finally realized I was good at this shit. Like mm-hmm. I was good at everything I did. I, I passed my gunner's exam in um, basic with a broken hand. So the maneuvering of the dial and doing everything I was doing with one hand. Mm-hmm. Asked my PT test with a cast on my hand. I broke it in combatives. So they wanted to recycle me. And I was like, wait, how'd you break it? Did someone just (laughs) go the extra mile? No. So the kid was probably 70 pounds heavier than I was. (laughs) And, you know, you can't get off your knees. So we charge each other on our knees. And somehow something hit my, and it broke here. And like you can see, there's an indent here. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this hand gets broke. I still choked his ass out (laughs) with a broken (laughs) hand. But when we got done... Is there anyone we could confirm this story yeah. with? Uh, I, I believe <laughs> it. Look it up. I believe look it you up. as well. Uh, <laughs> Check him out. 
and realized there was something seriously wrong. My hand was giant. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was like, man, this is going to suck. They're going to reclass. So you passed that test? I did. I passed the test. And and airborne school was fine. Your your hand was recovered by yeah, then? Yeah, it was recovered by then. Good. Uh, ended up getting enlisted honor graduate. Uh, so out of 300 enlisted people. Yeah. A black, hat, a black hat like me more yeah. than everybody else. Um, I didn't do anything special to get it. Uh, I don't claim to ever have done anything special. They kind of pick somebody out and yeah, here's a plaque. Here's a, yeah. here's a letter kind of yeah. thing. So, you won. Congratulations. Um, but I had rip in my contract. Okay. Two weeks into airborne school. I didn't want to be in school anymore. I, I didn't want to go to sit in a hole. Oh anymore. man. Yeah, I know. Well, and also the horror stories that you start hearing in yeah. airborne school and like hold and stuff. Yeah. And I had known somebody that had been sitting there for a while and I didn't oh, want to. He got it. into your head, I bet, too. Oh, he did. He did. Oh, they do. They do. I, like, they get in your head. Biggest regret in my military career is not going. going yeah. Down. Because I wanted that tambourine. Mm. And, you know, I, I really wanted to go to a Ranger Bat. And it haunted me for like the rest of my military career. And I kept thinking of trying to get my way back there. Yeah. Um, but what it did was it, it lined up the possibility of getting back together with my girlfriend, who mm. again eventually becomes my wife, because she's in Pennsylvania and I get to go to Fort Bragg, and okay. it's a six-hour drive. Yeah, not too far away. No, and I I went to to Bragg uh, and was blessed enough to be. They were starting a new unit where they were taking all, a bunch of awesome soldiers from three five zero four and and standing up a new unit. They needed somebody and they came and got me and in process and then brought me over. The most stellar group of dudes mm. um, all knew what they were doing, had their shit together. I was green as shit, <laughs> total cherry. And they brought me in and, and treated me with the utmost respect. You know, there's still the hazing, right? Sure. Mm. Let me say that. Um, but at that time, this is still, this is 05, 06. And that's when things were kind of still awesome in the military yeah. in my opinion it's not as uh, <laughs> it's not as highlighted yeah, it's, as it is now yeah, it's, it's, yeah. You know, everything ends up on social it's, media these it's a little days. watered down they're yeah. showing the shark attacks and all that stuff or you're getting smoked and it, oh it's too bad you know like I'm a firm believer in if you screw up you deserve to get some correctional discipline right 100% right? yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I never had that happen to me I was always squared away um, really Loved my man. My platoon sergeant was this incredible human being. Taught us, could be firm, but taught us, you know. And I was in division for five months and we deployed to, to Crete in um, July of 2006. Okay. So command was helping you, which is nice. So you straightened yourself out. I did. Um, I was still an asshole. Um, okay, so still holding on to some anger issues? Yeah, still anger issues. Okay. You know, uh, alcohol, as you know, uh, around yeah. the barracks. Or, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's my Article 15. Yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> it was so it underage flows. drinking. <laughs> I enlisted when I was 17. Yeah. So that's, another, that's a whole other topic that, <laughs> you know, we should discuss. If you're going to war, you should probably be able to drink. You would think. You would yeah. think. Yeah. Fair enough. But, you know, 18-year-olds can be idiots. I mean, 30-year-olds can be. Yeah, that's true. 90% <laughs> of people. I had a couple majors in my unit. Yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had a couple NCOs that yeah. got DUIs, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, that's, that, this alcohol is always. just the nature of the beast yeah. in, in military service is a problem with alcohol, mm -hmm. yeah. you know. Uh, that's why they should let us, or let you, you guys now, not, not, not me anymore, smoke weed. Way less, way less incidences. I don't know about that. I huh? think I think I'd rather have them then, take then cocaine. There were, there were, yeah, <laughs> cocaine. Weed. They're gonna sit on their couches, play Call of Duty That's too much. I want yeah, they're, they're gonna be lazy. Cheetos. Can't yeah. see straight. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want them to be cracked out of their minds. Yeah. taking it to the enemy. <laughs> maybe Medi little, medical meth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe some medical meth. A little bit of speed. Get yeah. them going. Yes. A little bit. Yeah, a little yes. bit. Some <laughs> army crystal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's got the. It's got the plastic star, it's, like the, yeah. you know, the shitty vodka, the, like oh, whiskey. Yeah. The, the you can get bottle. it at the local like PX gas station. It's it comes a in a plastic yep. bottle. Coke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so you deploy, yeah, in two thousand six. Yeah, so I okay. was 
again, this this unit was was stood up to be a, a recon unit. Mm-hmm. Um and we were attached to uh, a group. So we were into Crete. We were on our own little island mm-hmm. at FOB Spiker. Um, and we were attached to some Delta guys and a Ranger unit, uh, battalion. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were basically the slaves for them to go out and do the, the <laughs> dirty work. And um, then they would come in and kick ass like they always do. <laughs> you know what I mean? You guys so, go do all the grunt work and we'll... We'll kick ass and sounds about right. But we were cool. (laughs) Take on the glory. (laughs) We didn't wear patches. We wore the black patches. Just a straight out black Velcro. So you felt a part of it. I did, but we weren't allowed to grow facial hair like they were. So we still had to shave out in the field. We still had to. uh, So that's how they could differentiate. Yes. Yes. And they got to drive around in forerunners and things like that while. We had to ride the little blue bus that took us from <laughs> point A to point B throughout the FOB. So, yeah, we weren't that special, but we were within the same compound as them and, and uh, got to see them, like, operate and how smooth they were. And, um, and, and at this time, you're thinking, are, are you feeling that same way? Man, I just wish I could have been on that side of things. Or you feel pretty comfortable with where you were? I'm pretty comfortable where, where I am. Hmm, okay. But... Um, I, so we can go into my injury because then that kind of leads me to where I was going. So I was planning on dropping a selection packet and going that route. Mm-hmm. Um, they had done a selection kind of recruitment out there. So they had this tent and everybody, you had to be E4 or higher to go in and, and view this recruitment thing. They did it for CAG too, um, but that wasn't even a blip in my head. I was like, those dudes are ridiculous. I don't. Yeah, you need. <laughs> Like need a couple run. years in other special yeah. operations yeah. Yeah. before you gotta run forty miles with a ruck. Yeah. <laughs> so um I wanted I wanted to to go the Greenberry route. That mm. like that was the ultimate goal. Um those guys just in my opinion the shit. Yeah, it's and, cool shit. Yeah. And I like fact of, you know, having to know a language, another language, mm-hmm. having to know a specialty yeah. and that being your specialty. Like that all like appealed to me really well. Mm-hmm. Um then we got tasked with this this mission, and that's where my military career changed. Like it was over, right? And um, so we knew we were going uh, to go try to track down some dudes mm-hmm. uh, on the outskirts of the creek. But and is this this is still ranger heavy, right? So rangers, are you guys doing BPs, blocking points? No. So what we would do is we would go in kind of assess everything mm-hmm. and if it was so you you're the patrolling force correct so you so recon we're the bitches yeah no so recon <laughs> objective yep. right i'm just painting the yep. picture here. we yep. recon the Get objective. information come back with rangers it. come back at night correct they hit the target do, do cooler stuff right mm, okay um and i had gotten an urgent email the day before this mission was going to go down and it was from said girlfriend. And she's like, when you get a chance, you really need to call me. And I was like, oh, this sounds important. So I called her on the next chance I had. Um, and she let me know that she was pregnant. And oh, so you're, you haven't been deployed very long either. No. Okay. And so I went to see her right before I deployed. Mm-hmm. She was teaching at a summer camp uh, up in the um, Portland, Maine area. Okay. And my thought was, this is probably going to be the last time I come home to see her. Might as well go out with a bang. And it wasn't very safe uh, in the act. And uh, yeah, so she was uh, pregnant with uh, my soon-to-be son, and it changed my mentality. So yeah, I went over there all gung-ho. My head was clear. I'm there to do a mission, Yeah, right? comes cloudy. It was very cloudy. And we went on this mission, and... I get hurt, but it's not, it's not a combat related injury. It's a, it's a injury that happens during a combat mission, mm-hmm. but I wasn't shot. wasn't blown up. Tore my ACL, my MCL, my PCL coming out of a Chinook helicopter because okay. I had about 300 pounds of gear on me. Uh, yeah. Um, and the field that we landed in was a farming field. So yeah, the grapevines fields. Yeah. Boom. Oh yeah. yeah that's some that, that's yeah. super common by the way. Door goes down. I step out with this foot and like Damn. the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Did you just hop back on or? No, I fell forward, hit my head on a rock and was knocked out. Oh, so, so it's wait. like the scene from World War Z. 
Correct. Yeah. 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 When the mirage shoots himself in the head. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No. 100%. That's all I'm picturing right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I wake up. I would, uh, you know, any, any, NCO that was sitting there would probably be like, what the fuck <laughs> just happened? Well, I was getting yelled at. Nobody oh. knew what was wrong with me. Oh. And, and the, the, bird, face the bird was gone. I had blood coming down my face. And I knew something was wrong. Like I could feel my pants. Was this on the X or like? Was, yeah, it was on the X. So, so they didn't think gunshot or anything? No, because we heard nothing. Oh, okay. Nothing. Like. It was quiet. It was a nighttime That's operation. That's unfortunate, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's like accident. I tell people all the time, it's. But that's not what destroyed my my chance at a career. I didn't tell anybody. I offloaded a little bit of my weight, and we we rocked 10k to the objective, and I did that with my knee being the way it was. Jeez. Yeah, and it's it's our first operation as a unit over there. And we're dropping like flies from heat gas. Mm. Like literally guys are dropping on this whole 10K and I'm hobbling to get there. And we, we get to a point where we're combat ineffective. Mm. This, it's got to stop. We got to try to get these guys out of here. Some of them are getting the silver bullet. Uh, if you know what that is, that's <laughs> the up the, up the keister. Um, and IV, who, yeah, whoever's command on this objective. <laughs> First of all, 10, 10 clicks infill that's that's an obscene amount of traveling. That is yeah. not fun all co- the- in all countryside, right? And we're just, yeah, this is daytime, right? So we came in at night and then it transitioned into, into morning and it's afternoon. What the, that's just ridiculous. Sounds like a training March. exercise. Yeah. To me. <laughs> um, <laughs> The the coolest part of the whole mission was like we got to a point where we had to get we we had seen this kind of like house that we were gonna like commandeer as mm-hmm. our staging area so we could try to get people out. And there was a funeral like going on where these guys were digging a, a grave for somebody who was getting get buried. And they had a truck. And a couple of us were nominated to go try to coerce them into letting us borrow this truck to drive people there instead of trying to walk it. Mm-hmm. They weren't very receptive to cash offer. Um, so we kind of forcefully said that we are going to take it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, I was involved in my first carjacking <laughs> <laughs> at uh, 25 years old. Commandeered, so. I yeah. believe, is the yeah. term we're looking for. Yeah. Um, we paid them, you know, still gave them their money. Um, but you know how it's either like a, a Toyota or an Isuzu truck or yeah. something like that yeah. over there. A little diesel um, Small truck with a small bed. I'm driving. I have a saw gunner with his saw on top of the, 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 the roof, mm. right? Providing whatever protection we needed and two or three guys at a time driving them back and forth. And I'm jumping this thing over things because it's not mine and... I'm trying to get there as fast as I can because we don't want to be out in the open. And we eventually get to this house and that's just where we just started having, we didn't finish the mission, didn't go do what we were supposed to do and just kind of waited there to be taken out. And Mm. that was, that was literally the end of my military operation. Like I was done. I went back, went and saw the doc. He was like, you're an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> why, like, why, why did you like keep walking? Like, you should have been medevaced out. Uh, because A, you can't do anything, and B, you're jeopardizing everything. You're a liability yeah. to your Boom, forces. Right yeah. there. Yeah. I thought I'd be tough and, and, and do this. And what that did is it caused severe nerve damage to the inside of my leg. I mean, your commander, after seeing your bloody head, should, you know, whoever's in command should have been like, Okay, Bird, it's time to come back yeah. real quick. Uh, <laughs> you come back real fast. Yeah. I would so, have had you do a shake test and realized immediately that your knee was fucked up. Yeah, it was bad. I ended up put, having, uh, so I was given the option of going back to Bragg, getting surgery, doing all that stuff, or staying for the remaining two months and working in headquarters, doing paperwork and all that stuff. And the doc said, well, it's not really going to change anything to your leg, so you, it's up to you. Yeah. I wanted to stay with my guys. Um, so I went into headquarters, was doing paperwork. Then they, they had this new 
tool that read SIM cards from things that were flying around. Mm. and could pick black up. box? Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. That's and I had fancy. a computer background, and I knew how to work laptops. So this guy got nominated to do that, not realizing that I would still have to go out on missions with a knee brace on and a foot patrol. So mm. um, I got to go on one more mission. We went into the town of Tikrit because obviously they got a ping, and mm-hmm. we dismounted the vehicle, and the guys around me started to run. Oh no. The next thing I know is I'm on a street in Tikrit by myself. Pitch black. And I'm scared as shit. I'm so there like, was no like plan, like, hey, we're headed this way. Or? It was it was so we went down the street. The house we were hitting was on the other street next to us. So they circled around, but they were moving so fast I couldn't keep up. Oh. So I knew where they were going. They were just gone. Yeah. Just Rear security. Yeah. <laughs> rear security. Deep, deep rear. Yep. <laughs> and I get there and the, the door's already blown open. They're already in there. There's already people on the ground. I'm throwing a laptop and told to hurry the hell up and read it and get the information and let's go. And I'm being streamed at by my commander to do this. And luckily, um, our first platoon, platoon sergeant was like, sir, leave him the hell alone. He's going as fast as the machine's going to let him, which kind of like, Kept him off my back, but mm. yeah, that, that was my last mission. It sounds, <laughs> sounds to me like the command was new. <laughs> yeah. Like, it sounds like a new unit because a typical commander who's should be cool, calm and collective and be like, okay, let's take a minute and refocus. But those people that are all gung ho, it's not like the movies. They all yell at each other and that's not how a team works. <laughs> so and and as a as a new guy too, you don't want to be like shut the fuck up. Oh yeah, I was, <laughs> I was PFC Wooten at that yeah. point. Yeah. So that was your that was your final mission. That was my final mission. Intel. Yeah, we came back December of '06, okay. um, and I immediately headed up to PA because we were obviously given leave. Mm. Um, headed up to PA to go spend time with my pregnant girlfriend at the time, who is now we're, we're engaged. Um, and I went and saw an orthopedic surgeon there who uh, knew um, my fiance's mom because she used to work in that surgery center. He's like, dude, you need multiple surgeries. Oh, damn. Like multiple surgeries. Nobody else had told you this at the time? We're talking about army doctors. Uh, I guess. I don't know. I met some pretty awesome army doctors in my time. Yeah. Must have been the area. Or but, you know, they're I young. Know. They're, At Womack? Probably not. Maybe not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. They're all yeah. down here. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, um, he starts setting up all these surgeries. I'm in, I'm in contact with my command, uh, my platoon sergeant. Then all of a sudden, I get a call weekend to leave saying, hey, you need to come back. We're redeploying. Um, this is part of the surge. When Bush ordered the surge. Mm-hmm. My unit was going back, um, but I, w- I couldn't go. So I was on rear D. They all deployed. I got married in January of 07 um, and lived the rear D. Uh, I, was in, I got promoted E4, basically was doing life as an E5, you know, I was a four because mm-hmm. I had experience and I was dealing with, you know, guys coming in that were cherries that we were going to send to, you know, guys that were downrange and kind of helping to train them, walking around with this huge brace. Um, and after about a month of, after s- several surgeries, mm-hmm. the pain was never going away. Like mm-hmm. it just wasn't going away. And Anybody that knows the army, they they prescribe painkillers like they're candy. Oh yeah, um, and someone with past drug. It was usage. not a good idea. History, um, yes. So they were giving me about 160 Percocet a month. Jeez, yeah. So much so that they prescribed stool softener because they were telling me, yeah, just take six a day, you'll be fine. You won't feel the pain. Oh god. Um, I finally threw them out. Um, and was like, hey, we got to figure this out. They did a nerve block, realized that the nerves were severely damaged mm-hmm. in my left leg. Went in, removed all the nerves. So I have no feeling in my left leg. Okay. Uh, their only recommendation is stay away from sharp things and hot things yeah. because you're not going to know that they touch you or, or, or cause any damage. Is it your entire left leg then? Whole left leg. Yep. I have a giant scar from basically my groin area all the way down to my knee. Okay. And they just kind of like folded it open. Snip, snip, took out, and uh, 
that, you know, the first month you're like, this is really weird. I can't feel anything like on my leg. Like this is, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, but the pain was gone. Okay. Um, but I was having pain up here. So mm-hmm. the mental stuff, the phantom pain. Yeah. So that started, started creeping in. Um, I finally was given an option to either medically retire mm-hmm. or go to finance. Two great options, in my opinion. Oh, you know, at least you'd come out with a trade skill. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever dealt with finance in the military? Oh, I for sure have. They try to charge me for all of my TDY. Yeah, <laughs> yeah trade skill and like disarming people. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Trade yeah. realizing you didn't get paid or wasting time. You know, it's, it's... So you chose naturally. Yeah, to I chose to get out, I and, and I had a, and I had a set date. Um, and I went on a small little vacation in September of 07 with my wife to the Outer Banks. Mm. And as I was coming back from the Outer Banks, I got the phone call that thoroughly changed my life. Um, I was driving and the rear D, uh, platoon sergeant who was also in my company, uh, called and was like, Hey, um, what are you doing? I said, I'm driving, coming back from the Outer Banks. Well, what's up? And he's like, you might want to pull over. I said, what the hell do you mean? I, go, I might want to pull over. Supposedly, our guys were coming back from a night mission. And they were in the back with Deuce and a Half. And it went over an overpass. And uh, seven of our guys broke their necks and died instantly. And some died on the, the bird leaving. Um, and I just remember shaking so uncontrollably and crying so hard that my wife was freaking out and didn't know like what was going on. And mind you, some of these guys were not friends, you know, they were, they were work buddies, you know, yeah, of and, course. but some of them I was friends with some yeah. of them I was close with and some were newly married. Some were newly fathers. So you, it hit me like I resonated with. Yeah. That. Yeah. I just instantly got hit with like a sledgehammer. Yeah. And um, it affected our whole, like our whole team was just yeah. done, right? And some of them were big guys, you know, mm. some of them were, you know, E6s and the other ones were E5s. Yeah. You know, we had one that was a specialist. There was no, no lower ranked guys in there. It was like an incredible team and they were gone because of a stupid accident. You know, yeah. not, not during a fight, not during a truck going in overpass and they don't know. I mean, to this day, I haven't heard the the rumor was that the driver fell asleep or that the tire uh, blew. Yeah. So, and obviously the dryer, the driver didn't die. Right. Mm. Um, oh, the one person that didn't die. Correct. Yeah, it was all the guys so in the back usually because, is. you know, that's open, yeah. you know, and no seat belts or anything. Yeah. No, you're just riding in the back, you know, going, going back to base and, it was gone. It was over. Mm. And uh, it affected me more. And, it, and to this day, it still affects me more than, than I would have ever thought it would. Mm-hmm. Because um, you would have been in that position. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of the times, you know, I, I tell people, I sit and think about it like, that could have been me if I would have deployed. But it was second platoon. So there's a good chance that I wouldn't have been in that, in that vehicle. But I could have been in the ones following. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, it was more so the fact that we were on rear D with that family and we had this shit storm that we had to try to manage and, and, and help with. And there's nothing like talking to a widow that, you know, I was just on vacation and happy with my wife and yeah, her husband's not coming back. That's pretty uh, I mean, you get, sometimes you gotta, you gotta think of, of how lucky you are though, you know, cause you could have been in that position. And that has to hit you even harder too. Yeah. You know, con- you know, comparing yourself to their situation, mm-hmm. you know, freshly married, you know, new team. Yep. That's, that's got to be tough. And I never really truly thought highly of myself, right? So like I thought from the moment I joined because I was joining in a time of war that eventually my time was going to come, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just, just thought that was going to happen. Yeah. And I was messed up at home my wife knew it i didn't know it until Mm -hmm. you know about a year afterwards but like the ptsd 
crept in really hard. And it's not just the wartime PTSD that affects me. I think a lot of it has to, to do with the buildup shit that I saw as a kid mm-hmm. that I lived through. And then I buried down inside. Oh, yeah. And then when the wartime stuff comes, Turns that it's back like up. Pff, everything yep. explodes. And so I, I got out. I got out in uh, September of 08. We moved back home because we thought we'd have help with our son, mm-hmm. uh, which was not the case. So um, my wife and I struggled. I, I was not, I was home, but I wasn't there. Mentally, Dave was gone. Yeah. He just wasn't there. And a lot of our conversations was, where's the Dave I'm, I fell in love with? You know, and I would always, it's gone. Like, I have no emotion. Um, I couldn't show my son emotion for like five years. Wow. Um, he would hug me and there would be a blank face on my head. Like I wouldn't, wouldn't do anything. You just wouldn't have a response. Just no, no response. Wow. Yeah. He'd come up, hug daddy. And my wife would look at me and she'd be like, hug your son. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, and then I snap into it and like hug him. Um, got a DUI, my first DUI. I never got one when I was a partier, <laughs> you know, I get yeah. one, get one when I'm out. Um, and I was a cable technician at the time and that kind of not good when you need to drive to jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So they were pissed. Um, but I've always had people that stood up for me and kind of backed me. So I was able to keep my job, did stuff around the shop, did a whole bunch of stuff. And um, my wife finally was like, look, you need to do something. Like yeah. you are lost. And what she didn't realize was I was planning on taking my life the, the following week after we had this conversation. Like wow. I, I, I was, I was checked out. I was done. Um, and then looking back on it now, I make a lot of jokes and I, I say, you know, I was preparing to play the, the nine millimeter flute, mm-hmm. um, because I was like, I had a letter written, I was ready to go. Mm. And her and I had this really impactful conversation. And at this time she's pregnant with my daughter mm. and she's just looked at me and said, I love you to death. You are the love of my life, but I can't sit around and, and watch you kill yourself with your pills and your booze and have our children around it. Mm-hmm. And it clicked to me. I walked in the bathroom, dumped every pill in the, in the toilet, mm-hmm. flushed it, went out to the liquor cabinet, dumped all the booze out. And I started to seek help and started to do mental health things and, and started to go that route. And uh, it started me on this journey that I'm on now. That's excellent. Yeah. It's a good woman to uh, to look you in the face and and you know be straight with you like that. Yeah, it's, she's uh, she's incredible. She's really the the person that has saved my life because mm-hmm. I would have I would have walked away in a heartbeat if yeah. I was her. I wouldn't have put up with half the shit that I that I put her up. You know, like I was horrible and yeah. I wasn't physical like physically abusive, but I can cut your ass up with some words yeah. and, and and like yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was very snap. abusive. Yep. Yeah, very snap. abusive with my words. And, mm-hmm. you know, and she was just strong and convicted in, in, in making our marriage work and was not going to stop. And it's because of her that I'm sitting here and able to kind of tell my story and, and do the outreach and, and the helping that I get to do with yeah. this community. Yeah, it just goes to show you like how resilient and impactful the families are. Yeah, having a support network like that. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, uh, oftentimes, you know, we, we talk about the, the veteran or the military service member, but, you know, without that backing, you know, and support, we could not have, you know, the fighting force we do today. Absolutely. Uh, where most of us would end up. Or you know, in, in checking out. Yeah, checking out. Mm-hmm. Like, without a good support network, I feel like, a much larger percentage of people would uh, would end up down that road, unfortunately. Yep, hundred percent. But thankfully, you are still here. I was just going to say that. Oh. Thankfully, you're still here. <laughs> See, I told and, you I identify as Dave today. Yes, <laughs> and and thankfully for your your family's you know life as well that you didn't make that choice. Mm-hmm. And for all the people that you've impacted, which smooth transition. Yeah. So. Um, 2011, uh, I went for my first mental health thing. I went mm-hmm. to Wounded Warrior Projects, uh, um, Project Odyssey, which okay. is for, I'm, I'm sure you guys have probably heard of it. Uh, they take about 10 guys who are PTSD and they take them kind of on this 
scare the shit out of you, get you uncomfortable kind of thing to kind of get you to understand how to manage your triggers and all these kind of things, which leading up to it, I almost didn't get on the flight to do it. Um, but the moment I walked in and was around those guys, like the, my first thought was, holy shit, these guys are way worse than I am. And, yeah. and then the other thing was like, I'm at peace. Like mm. these guys kind of get what I'm going through. And I went to two of them. Uh, one is a single person and then one with my wife on a marriage one. Mm-hmm. And it changed my outlook. Um, and was involved as volunteering as a mentor then um, for the next couple of years okay. on those odysseys. I, I would be asked to come in and kind of mentor the guys that are there, kind of show them that, hey, it's kind of where you guys are. Yeah, I'm not up top yet, but I'm kind of in the middle, Yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm dealing with my day-to-day life and I'm trying to be better and I'm trying to do all these things. And 2014 rolls around. I go on my last one. I come home. And I uh, talked to my wife and I'm like, I think I want to do things where I'm impacting veterans' lives. Yeah. Like, that's what I want to do. And at the time, I was a project manager for an e-commerce web development company Mm -hmm. and making really good money, but I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. And dealing in the corporate world with a guy who has PTSD, my answers to these people were not sometimes (laughs) the best. Not the tactful approach. Um, no, and fuck you. <laughs> my wife and I literally talked about it. Um, she is a Christian woman. So she's like, she was like, hey, let's talk about it. Let's do all these things. And I was like, okay. And I went in and lost my job that day. Boom, fired, right? Mm, oof. Yeah, like no kind of warning or yeah. anything that was going to happen. The day before he hired a professional photographer to take pictures for the website. Like I was on the website for the next six months. I didn't have a job with him, but I was still there. Um, and I was like, oh shit, what am I going to do? I'm a hundred percent at that time, the breadwinner for this family. My wife is a stay at home mom. She's homeschooled our children. Mm. And now we have no income Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what we were going to do. And, uh, I had a guy reach out and say, Hey, wounded warrior projects looking for somebody in the DC area. Would you be open to to move in the DC? And I'm in Amishville, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. (laughs) And, uh, I was like, mm, kind of a country boy. I don't really want to move to the to the city. Yeah. Um, but we did. And we sold our house in four days. Um, was able to find a place down in Maryland uh, in one day. And I started this uh, transition over to being an outreach specialist for Wounded Warrior Project, manning the DC office. And what set me, um, my soul on fire for that office was that they had a heavy foothold at Walter Reed. They were the first groups to, and this is after the the shit storm that they got themselves into. This is now 2017. So they've started to write the ship. Yeah. Uh, they have a great CEO at this time, right? Uh, former two-star general um, with the army. Great dude. His heart's in it for everything, changing everything around. So I was heavily invested in in what they were doing. And he wanted to get more of a foothold back into the hospitals and and what they started out. So in 03, they started out as just giving out backpacks to, yeah. to guys that were getting, mm-hmm. coming off the battlefield. Yeah. Um, and they wanted to do that kind of stuff. And I wanted to change it up and not do dinners and fancy things for people. Like I wanted to give these warriors a life skill that yes. when Wounded Warrior Project is not there to hold their hands, they have something to fall back on. Yeah. Um, so in 2018, I started a archery program or uh, Wounded Warrior Project in the the Maryland area. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring in 10 guys who had PTSD or women, because they obviously, we all have it, um, and teach them archery and teach them the healing aspects of archery. Archery mm-hmm. had been used uh, by a friend of mine to help me and I fell in love with it and it helped my therapy. Yeah. And I thought, what a great tool that we can provide these guys for when we're not there to hold their hands, right? Like we should not be holding people's hands every yeah. single day. Yeah. They should be able to be self-reliant on themselves. Absolutely. Um, and so I started this pilot program, had 10 people go through it, partnered with Bear Archery, a whole bunch of other archery uh, manufacturers to give them a surprise bow at the end of the six weeks, which I got a lot of crap for because I spent a lot of money. And uh, <laughs> to me, spending the money on something like that was better than taking a group of a hundred out to a dinner that is one and done and not something Agreed. that is yep. not a tangible skill, right? Agreed, 100%. So 
I caught a lot of shit for it, but I didn't care because I was, I was one who wanted to do things like that. So I, I thought differently than a lot of people. And through the three years that I worked for Wounded Warrior Project in DC, I put 40 veterans through this class. 40 veterans were gifted a bow. Hmm. 40 veterans were taught this skill. Some of them eventually went to TAC in Pennsylvania with me nice. so that they could use these skills. Because some of them didn't have an interest in hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, a, let me go in the backyard if I'm having a rough day and, yeah. and, and shoot some arrows, yeah. right? And you guys know that. You guys have gotten into archery. It's one of the most therapeutic things you could possibly do. It takes all of your focus. Yeah. 100%. Because if yeah. you're not focused, if you're letting outside shit in your head, yep. you are not going to hit that target. Not at yeah. all, yeah. And then if you're like us, you get frustrated. Yep. And you're like, <laughs> all right. I really need to clear my head here yeah. and, and focus and do this kind of stuff. So I've been on this, this path and this mission to kind of, to kind of be in the archery world and show the impacts of this. Mm-hmm. 2018, I wrote a, a letter to Shonda Gray from, from Total Archery Challenge and was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, I, I would love to just start bringing veterans to your shoot. Uh, Pennsylvania is the closest one we do it. He's like, let me, uh, can you, can you write a, a longer, more professional type story for this so I can send it to yeah, Evan? Yeah, proposal. Yeah. He wanted to send it to Evan and he wanted to send it to John Dudley and he sent it to them and I never heard anything back about it. But what I'm seeing from what Black Rifle is doing mm-hmm. with the adaptive shoots, kind of what my, my vision was for a long time. And I'm starting to see other organizations and nonprofits start to pick that up. Yep. You know, I was just in Wisconsin this past week watching a uh, nonprofit organization that does 3D archery shoots where they take all the proceeds from those shoots mm-hmm. and distribute them to nonprofits out there that are getting veterans out into the outdoors to do therapeutic uh, hunting and fishing and things like that. It's happening, That's right? Awesome. And, our, and our, com- our community is being well represented in, mm-hmm. in that forum. So... Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's amazing right now that I get to sit back and kind of watch all this stuff happen. Yeah. Like I had this idea 10 years ago. Now it's actually coming, culminating, yeah. coming together. Yeah. I didn't have the backing. I didn't have the, you know, the funds to do it, but people that have that yeah. are doing it and they're doing it a hundred times better than I would probably be, have been able to do it. And that passion is there. Like, yeah. I don't care who's doing it. When the end goal is to reach at least one person and impact their life. That's all it really, really matters and counts in my, in my book. So could yeah. agree more. That's, that is incredible. And Trinity Oaks. Yeah. Uh, so Trinity Oaks is the nonprofit that I am blessed to, to work for now. So I'm the director of partnerships for them. They're like, well, what's that mean? I go out and ask people for money. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's basically it, right? So I tell the story of Trinity Oaks. Uh, I tell them our mission Provide the financials because we're a nonprofit and people want to know the financials, right? Mm-hmm. So we're very open with that. We have it shared on our, fa- our, uh, our, our webpage because we want everybody to know that we use our money mm. to impact those, right? Yeah. What do we do? So, or when, when did we come about? So we came about in 2007. Mm. Uh, our founder, uh, his name is Tom Snyder. He grew up always wanting to hunt and in Texas, well, it's kind of hard in Texas. If yeah. you don't know anybody who has a ranch, it's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the last number was like 93% is, is privately owned here in the state of Texas. So he wanted to create an opportunity for the youth to have an opportunity to go hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, inner city youth, you know, to learn the importance of conservation through hunting and fishing and doing all these things. So he started Trinity Oaks in 2007 with the sole goal of doing that, which later manifested into serving Purple Heart and combat veterans. Mm. Those that are battling a life-threatening illness uh, and have been terminally diagnosed. Okay. Star kids. So we all know what a star kid is, right? Um, And just youth. So we have youth programs that we do in different locations throughout the year Mm. uh, that benefit uh, inner city youth and, and youth to get them to understand different aspects of the outdoors whether it be learning how to drive an ATV to learning how to make a shelter and set up a shelter to firing firearms, shotguns and 22s uh, to learning how to do archery to learning about the importance of conservation. Mm-hmm. And these are all put on by the Weatherby foundation who sponsors us for that. Okay. And we do it 
everywhere. And we're talking 200 to 250 kids at every, every one of them. Um, and it's all free, right? And we're not charging anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, luckily we have a good sponsor who does that. Um, and then the last thing we do, which is my favorite thing that we do is we have a, a meat mission. So since 2007, over 700,000 pounds of meat have don been donated yes. by Trinity Oaks to those in need, whether it be through food banks, whether it be through homeless shelters, whatever it may be. We were like, that's a lot of hunts. How do you guys do that? It's not all through us. So we okay. have a meat processing facility, right? Mm -hmm. And we take donations. So okay. luckily we are blessed with hunters that kill several and they're like, let me find a way to give back. They'll drop off the deer. Um, we'll process it, package it up and get it out to those in need. So That's we, we do a majority of it from, from the animals taken on our ranch. Um, when you come hunt our ranch and you're privileged enough to walk those gates and, and, and get to do that, um, you get half the animal, you get the rack, you get half the meat and the other half goes to somebody that could really use it, right? Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Um, and then, you know, other people just drop off animals as well, which is kind of what They don't need more them. than half anyway. That's no. a lot of meat. Yeah, it's a lot it's of a meat. Lot of it it's a lot of meat. And I'm really proud of that. Um, I, I think as, a, as an organization to kind of show that, you know, that's what our, our goal is, is yeah. to kind of do that and to impact those that really don't have a means to do that. Hmm. It's huge. And, it and it, I brag about that a lot because I can remember growing up not having the money to go out to the store and buy meat. And especially if you look at the times right now, you know, meat prices are up there. Yeah. So all these families that are struggling, right? So these inner cities, families, things that are, you know, not having the means to go out to an HEB or somewhere and get beef. Well, they go to these food banks, they go to these things and they get venison, 100% lean, clean venison to feed their family. That's, That's incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. So you get to help people like yourself as a child, like yourself as a young adult, and then like yourself, in the military. That's a great point. Yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible that you have an opportunity to focus on each of those individual aspects that affected your life so drastically and left you where you are now. Yep. You get to make that impact early on these people. That's, that's pretty incredible, Dave. I love what you guys are doing. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, I've, I've been on hunts before, mm. but the, the very first hunt that I went on with this organization, it was, uh, Second day on the job, I, I went down and accompanied a 14-year-old boy who had stage four cancer. Um, rough. Rough, 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 yeah. rough, right? And uh, he was there with his, uh, his mom, his nurse, and his brother. And he had been in pain. The moment he crossed the gate and was on Thumbtack Ranch, which is our ranch, he had a smile on his face. First time he ever got to fire a rifle, he was firing the rifle at the range to show that he could actually shoot a rifle and, and we'd kind of get him ready to, to do this. He was, was loving it. You know, this, for the first time, and I don't even know how long, he was smiling, his mom said. Bit, bittersweet memories, right? It is. Because you're, you're creating a memory, lasting memory, and you're, you're getting to share that in with him. So it's, it's bittersweet, you know? He was there, I was there for one day. Mm -hmm. He didn't take, he was, so he wanted an access, which from the Texas, that's what most people want because it's the best meat there is probably right up there with elk. Mm. Um, he didn't get one. So I left and cause I had other work to do. I had some meetings to go to on day three. I got a text message to, with a picture with him standing with this trophy access that he had harvested on his own. And the, smiles on each one of those family members' faces is something that I'll take with me for the rest of my life. Like yeah. I could not believe how strong this kid was that he was able to just forget about it. Right. Mm -hmm. We, we get lost in these, these times of being a combat veteran and having to deal with these things in our mental where we can't turn a switch off to be happy. Mm -hmm. This kid knows he's going to die. Right. It's terminal. He's going to die. Most likely. Mm. And he allowed himself to be happy and enjoy this moment with his family. Um, and the cool thing is most of our, so that's a dream hunt. So most of our dream hunts, we do the taxidermy in right around two to four weeks. Okay. So, so, so quick, work quick. Yeah. If you know anything about taxidermy, yeah, that's it fast. can take up to a year. Yeah. It takes a while. Um, 
I shot a mule deer uh, back in January and I was told December I could have it. So um, that that's actually pretty amazing, uh, you know, that you're able to facilitate facilitate that so quickly. The mm-hmm. reason we do it is because we want them to have hands on it in the chance or likelihood that as they get As fast as possible. Yeah. Because they don't have much time. Yeah. 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 A year to them is long. Correct. Yeah. That's long. way too long to wait. I mean, that's an amazing story. And it seems to me like we should have the mentality of no regrets because, you know, this, the work that you're doing now was defined because of who you were and the struggles that you faced. So learning from those lessons and adapting them to benefit society and specifically the market that, um, you know, is in the military is phenomenal. And you should be proud of that and you shouldn't look back and, and regret anything because you're doing amazing work. Yeah, it's, it's for me, um, you know, people are like, don't you get tired of working for a nonprofit? I said, and I look at them and I'm like, do you not see what I get to do? Yeah. Like, I don't chase paychecks. You know, that, that stopped a long time ago. You're doing impactful, meaningful right. work. Yeah. Right. You know, I have, I have a, a, an office, a home office, and I have one thing written on my whiteboard behind me. Impact one life today. Yeah. It's a Don't great, worry about the millions. Yeah. Worry about the motto. one. Great and motto. That's, that's what I, every day I wake up with that, that same mentality that if, if I can reach one, and maybe that person can reach one. Yep, yep. And that person can reach one. And we can continue to do what, we're, what we should be doing. Well, you're still a hero in my eyes, brother. Now, where, <laughs> where could everybody find you at? Yeah, uh, the easiest way to... So I'm on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, bowlife underscore veteran, okay. um, where I promote all things Trinity Oaks, but I also promote my journey with archery and the healing of archery. Mm. Uh, I'm, again, blessed enough that I get to represent uh, a bunch of archery companies and, and uh, had a film come out about how the impact of archery has played a role in my life and my recovery. Um, and that's the easiest way to do it. If you are a veteran, a somebody who has a terminal uh, diagnosis, a star kid, uh, a youth, easiest thing to do to try to be a part of the Trinity Oaks family is go to trinityoaks.org and apply for a hunt. And okay. if you're, a veteran in, in the state of Texas, you know, we, we do them year round, you know, um, you just fill out the application. Our veteran coordinator will be in touch with you. Same with a, uh, dream trip. If you are, um, that coordinator will reach out to you. It's really, really simple, really, really easy process. And, uh, let's get you down and and let's get you on a hunt. Rock on brother. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, very much for, uh, your time today, Dave. You're, you're an excellent person, excellent human being. I, I, I mean that like truly. Uh, I think the work that you're doing is is incredible, and uh, we're we're really proud to know you. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's an Thanks. honor to be on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this has been the Medevac Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. If you uh, want to reach out to Dave Wooten and go on a hunt with Trinity Oaks, please do so, and uh, let us know if you do. We like hearing about that stuff. Absolutely. So. Thanks. Thanks, Bye. everybody.